This is episode 52. You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. We packed the Cal OES All Hazard Studio with seven, count them, seven guests. They are most of the members of the emergency management team deployed to South Carolina to help with Hurricane Florence response and recovery. We lured them into our studio their first day back while the experience was still fresh on their minds. They'll talk to us about how the Interstate Emergency Management Assistance Compact, better known as EMAC, system works. They'll also explain their collective and individual roles as an incident support team, as well as their challenges and what it took to overcome them, and a lot more, so much more in fact, we're going to split this one into two episodes. So let's get right into part one, right now. So they are fresh off of deployment from Columbia, South Carolina, at least as the starting point. The hurricane, formerly known as Hurricane Florence, that made its way through the Atlantic and onto the eastern seaboard, including North Carolina and South Carolina. These folks were there, deployed as an eight-person Cal OES Incident Support Team, or a POD, that's Point of Distribution Coordination Team through EMAC. Uh, I've got uh, many of them, most of them here now, and I'm going to let you each introduce yourself. Just go and introduce, tell everybody who you are and what your role was there briefly. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Mike Warren. Uh, my normal job, I'm the nuclear power plant manager, and also I deal with other radiological programs in the state. I was sent out, I'm, a, I'm the operations chief on the RED incident support team, and I was sent out as the operations representative. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Ron? Uh, Ron Williams. Uh, I was sent out as the team leader for the logis- logistical support operation for South Carolina. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, Anthony Zimmer. Uh, I work here in, in procurement. I went out as the uh, logistics support, ended up doing pod support and mapping and planning. Great. All right. My name is Carly Landry. I was assigned as logistics support. My name is Mark Ackerman. My normal job is uh, logistics chief as well as staging area management. And both of those came in pretty handy on this deployment. Uh, my name is Megan Pappas. I work in response support operations, helping manage the operational readiness teams. I'm also part of the EMAC A team here in California. And I was uh, deployed out in this management team as part of the planning support. Okay, so first thing I want to do is have someone just sort of break down, for those who don't understand how California works, break down uh, EMAC and and how that plays into other states and uh, California's assistance to those states when uh, they ask for it. Uh, So EMAC is a mutual aid system from state to state. So other states, if they're going to be requesting any type of mutual aid or any type of assistance, they would go through this compact that you can broadcast to all states or you can broadcast privately. So this request went out on a Saturday and we were deployed out on a Thursday. It was a request for a a pod management team and we ended up sending an eight-person team to support this mission. Okay, and each one of you obviously having a different specialty, a different area of expertise. Uh, How important were those individual uh, skill sets to the overall mission? 
Well, upon arriving, um, we met with uh, our leader, um, Guy Gearhart, with the South Carolina Emergency Management Division. And um, we quickly realized that the mission was evolving a little bit differently than was requested. Um, we, bought, we brought with us some operation support, SME, subject matter experts, and planning support, subject matter experts, all of which in, just increased our capability. And um, overall, as a team, we ended up managing uh, life-sustaining commodities in the form of uh, food, MREs, as they're called, and water. Uh, for the South Carolina Emergency Management Division in multiple locations, including their warehouse, several state staging areas, and several Estes trucking terminals. Um, and with that, as, as the mission evolved, um, we were thrust into different positions as um, the 15-day deployment continued. Okay, so when you arrived or just prior to arriving, that, that time frame there, because the what was it because the storm was changing or the the expected damage or damage areas were changing is that why things changed yeah once we met up with the operations section chief with south carolina emergency management division um and our first day we really started to figure out what life sustaining commodities they had and where those commodities had been um Prepositioned, uh, we were also granted access into an EOC software program um, called Palmetto, and uh, Andy was our, served as our subject matter expert um, in Palmetto, and we were able to go in and look at the pod locations, points to di of distribution locations, as well as look at the pending missions for all the different uh, resource requests that the state of South Carolina was requesting. Up next, what these IST members noticed the minute they arrived in South Carolina and what their immediate strategy was. With Hurricane Florence on approach, they were preparing for the worst and hoping for the best, but the worst did in fact arrive. Their challenges were compounded by being in unfamiliar territory working with strangers. So how did they do their work to the best of their ability despite the stress? Again, in the studio are Megan Pappas, Mike Warren, Ron Williams, Anthony Zimmer, Mark Ackerman, Andy Langoff, and Carly Landry. So before we get too much further into that, let's talk about the moment that you arrived. Um, did you all fly in? You did. Okay, so you all flew in. When you arrived um, at the airport, what was the first thing you noticed? The heat and humidity. humidity. Really? Oh, boy. It was it hot sucked. and very humid. Wow. Okay. The storm at this point, had it already come through and was leaving or had it come through yet? No, it was still on approach and was still a Category 4 upon us uh, landing. Okay. So the storm hadn't hit yet. What were they telling you in terms of where this storm was going to hit and how your area might be impacted? That it was going to impact South Carolina as well as North Carolina, and um, the projection was catastrophic flooding, record-breaking rainfall, and almost all of their rivers would crest and reach historic level levels never seen before. Wow. So you were preparing for the worst? We were. Okay. Did the worst hit? Yes, it did. Although the storm 
was eventually forecasted and downgraded to a Category 3, Category 2 hurricane, then Category 1 to a tropical storm, the amounts of rainfall that dropped on North Carolina and South Carolina were catastrophic. In North Carolina, over 50 inches of rain fell, shattering all previous records, yet it was just a tropical storm. It was not considered a hurricane at that point. So it didn't have the winds that a hurricane would. It didn't have the winds, but it had the water. And as we got our bearings and learned where we were within the state, all of that water, 50 plus inches that fell in North Carolina and 30 plus inches in South Carolina, would all flow down through the rivers in South Carolina, causing them to crest at record-breaking levels as the water makes its way out to the ocean. Wow. Man, oh man. Tell me what you saw uh, where you were. You guys were in Columbia? Is that where you were? Yes. Okay. What did you see there? We were in Columbia. Um, it was hot. It was humid. But we did experience um, some significant rainfall. Uh, I've never experienced rain um, that intense, not only on the roadway driving home one evening. I couldn't see. Um, we all went to have dinner one night. And within three minutes from the car to the restaurant, we were completely soaked. I had never experienced anything like that. Yeah. in my life all right yeah the rains uh back east i lived in florida for uh, off and on different times in my life uh there as a reporter and the the raindrops are the size of golf balls i swear they must be they're huge so you get hit with one raindrop you're soaked um but i i i know exactly what you're talking about especially when you've got a storm like that coming through as the team lead what was your primary sort of mandate or job duty um communication okay if anything i wanted to over communicate with my team and try to keep a single point of communication between uh the south carolina emergency management division lead who requested us mm -hmm. and then i would push information to the team after um briefings that occurred three times a day Okay. When you got there, what was your reception? Uh, he was very thankful that we were there. Um, it was a huge storm, and it was going to be catastrophic for them. And SCEMD is the acronym for the Emergency Management Division. They're a very small component with about 70 to 75 team members, unlike Cal OES, which has upwards of 1,200. Incredible. Man, oh, man. When you guys arrived... What was your strategy at that point to make sure that you had all bases covered? So the first thing we had to do was get, sometimes referred to as get your arms around the situation, more formally known as situational awareness. We uh, split our team up. Number one, we needed to have somebody who was expert in the Palmetto system. Andy and Drew took that assignment. They became users. That gave us the ability to monitor the requests from the county as well as what, which of those requests would wind up in our lap. The second thing we did is um, develop a very shortened um, pod operations course. That was uh, Megan and Carly took uh, probably a one-hour course, slammed it together into five slides, maybe 20 minutes long, because we weren't certain who was going to staff the pods if the pod request became valid. There was a 
correct me if I'm wrong, were there 15 pods were initially requested or be prepared for 15 pods? <clears throat> so we got the pod training course because we thought that National Guard was going to take that staffing. Next thing we had to do is determine how much equipment uh, we needed. Um, Again, Mark, real quick, uh, pod stands for what? Point of distribution. Okay, so these are just places where uh, equipment and supplies are are gathered together and then sent out from there. Actually, visualize a, a, a drive-by store. Cars come in, they're stopped, and then food and water are put into cars, and then they scoot along. Okay. So this is in the event that stores no longer have the capability to sustain life. That's why we give away life-sustaining commodities. I see. So so uh, folks who are displaced out of their homes, they're in shelters, those are the, your customers? Yes, sir. Okay. So shelters are our customers as well. Okay. We in here, here in California, so our staging areas support shelters, as South Carolina would do. Okay. So, Megan, you went into some quick training, but you had to develop some training because you didn't know who was going to be coming in? Yeah, we didn't know who was going to be coming in to be able to staff the pods. Luckily, we had some subject matter experts, Ron and Mark here, that gave us some quick just-in-time training, um, sent a lot of documents ahead of time. We were able to take a lot of that uh, along with the FEMA course, um, piece it together into a training so we can show pictures and diagrams of how a pod should be set up, um, what it's going to look like, what's going to be needed, and just your basic overall management of how a pod should be managed. Okay. Yes, go ahead, Mark. Back to the assignments for each one of the uh, team members. Uh, Michael was sent over to um, the Estes and Lewis Berger uh, staffing positions. Lewis Berger is a company that took care of all the material handling equipment for the state. And Estes, much like here, we have a contract with Estes in California. South Carolina has the same thing. That's a trucking firm dedicated to moving commodities wherever they need to go. So while we're working on what the equipment and what the commodity load is going to be, Michael is in between the two people that are going to move it with material handling equipment as well as the trucking asset. So we quickly got very integrated with the system that they had. Okay. Anthony, tell me about your role in this. If your skill set was tapped or if you had to improvise, tell me about how how you worked into this whole project. Well, what I did was... um you know, when people, when the counties would put in a re- request saying, you know, we're going to be requesting up to upwards of 16 uh, pods, they would they would ask, where could we where could we put those these pods? And we'd always say, well, schools are usually a, you know a good idea. They have open open spaces. Um, we need a minimum of one acre of land for a pod. So they would suggest, okay, how about these this school, this school, and so forth. And I had to learn from Mark here how to use uh, Google Earth to actually map out areas and measure parking lots and create uh, ingress and outgress uh, for people to drive through. Had you ever used this at all before? I've never used this before. I've never done anything like this. Yeah, yeah. So there was was there a learning curve then for you that uh, that was difficult, or did it come naturally for you? Yeah, I, I consider myself a quick learner. You know, once I was shown bas- the basics of how to do it, I just kind of took off from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't be shy. It came naturally to you. <laughs> I was trying to be humble. 
I consider myself an expert. <laughs> you're you're one of the new SMEs on Google Earth. I'm applying for GIS now. Nice, good job. All right, we'll talk to Hans later. All right, uh, and Mike, tell me about your your you're a nuke. How did a nuke play a, a role in this whole thing? Well, my background is uh, operations, moving resources from the state to uh, help local jurisdictions, and suddenly I found myself in the logistics role, something I wasn't familiar with. Mm. And they asked me to go down and essentially work with the trucking companies and the, the equipment companies to identify what their inventories were, track the inventories at different locations, mm. and share that information with my teammates so we could have a mobilization plan for rapidly deploying these resources in certain areas. This kind of sounds like a very uh, stressful environment uh, for everybody, regardless of what your skill set is and, and what you're doing now. Not only are you in unfamiliar territory, you don't know the other people that you're working with necessarily. And now you've got a, a hurricane, which eventually became a tropical storm bearing down on you. What was the stress like for each of you in, in, in terms of trying to focus on the job, not be concerned too much about the stress that may or may not be involved, but and then do your job to the best of your ability? Because I know there are going to be people who are wondering how you did it, if you if you did it at all, <laughs> Ron. It was extremely stressful. Um, you know, the emergency management division there had over 500 people a day. Um, in attendance, a much smaller facilities, two-story with Joint Operations Center, the jock with the guard, actually on the second floor below the EOC. Hmm. And so the governor would conduct sometimes two press conferences per day. Uh, Four-star generals were flying in. Uh, the director of FEMA eventually flew in. Um, the flow of information had to be consistent in order for us to wrap our arms around um, what they had already purchased for this event, in addition to tracking what FEMA was bringing to the table as well. And so it was, um, it, it took us a good couple days to solidify the communications and with utilizing every single team member to get us off to a great start. So with each passing day, did your stress level uh correspondingly drop off because you had a better sort of situational awareness or were there just daily challenges that that raised that stress level i think it was a challenge for us every day because we were in we were placed inside a very small travel trailer out in the back that was reserved for us um that the public information office uh, uses and picture eight of us sitting elbow to elbow 14 hours a day and we don't know each other right i've worked with everybody in the room didn't know a few people but i was a little apprehensive i didn't know how is this going to work and um it turned out to be uh remarkable everybody's skill sets were put into action and for us it ended up being seamless and we generated multiple products uh for the South Carolina Emergency Management Division that will help them in the future. Up to that point, looking back, is there anything that you realize could be done differently or better? Coming up, this incident support team talks about their specific roles, how they met their objectives, and what contributed to their team's performance, plus how the little things helped 
and what could be done better? I don't think so because our role was to support the South Carolina Emergency Management Division in their logistical operation. That was our role and that is what we did and the team did it very well. Um, we did not insert ourselves into their processes concerning their emergency operations center uh, or their operational periods, that it's their state, their home state. We are there to support. The mission was constantly, what, what do you want us to do? What can we help you with? Mark. That's the first time I've worked with uh, everybody, everyone except Ron. Um, I know Megan well. I don't know these other characters. who in our, had our briefing down here in the SOC. Leadership gave us expectations of what our job was. When they left us alone, I said, okay, I've been in the field a lot. This is my 39th response. And I said, I don't know you guys, and a lot of you don't know me, but we all got to have a blood pack. Rule one, you must not let any other team member burn. So... If I'm getting out of hand, you got to come rescue me. If you're overwhelmed, I'm going to come rescue you. But at no time can any of us fail at our jobs. Because if one of us fails, the team fails, that doesn't look good for the agency. Right. This crew came together. We got integrated. And we worked cohesively and achieved all the objectives that were given us. And left the state in a little bit better condition than when we arrived. Could you have done the same level of job of service, quality of service, had you not had that cohesiveness? Could you have done your job without it? No. You, you've got to be integrated into the, into the situation, into the incident. You've got to be able to trust each other. If, if Megan asked me to do something, I've got to get it done in the time frame that she requested. And vice versa, if I ask somebody else to do something, it's got to happen. If any one of these cogs gets out of alignment, the machine's going to stop, and then we will have failure. So now that you've been there a couple of days, uh, you've got pretty good situational awareness. Uh, what was your next big challenge? What were, uh, what were some of the next big things, the hurdles that you had to overcome? Well, the first one was tracking all the different locations with life-sustaining commodities to include uh, the South Carolina Emergency Management Division's warehouse and what they had on hand every day, uh, a state staging area that was set up in Florence um, in, in South Carolina, which happens to be the same name of the hurricane, uh, commodities at uh, the Columbia Estes Terminal, as well as uh, life-sustaining commodities at the Florence Estes Terminal. And then add in tracking all of the commodities that um, FEMA brought to the table. And I did leave out one other location, which we referred to as Hard Rock Park, which became another staging area near Myrtle Beach, which also FEMA combined into the state staging area with us because the fear was that Myrtle Beach would essentially be cut off as all the roads would be flooded and it would be an island onto itself. Hmm. And so at the end of the day, we completed accurate inventories every single day for them for multiple locations. And when you combined the uh, commodities between the state-owned and FEMA-owned commodities, there was enough on hand to support 250,000 people for three days. Wow. And it also included hmm. tracking 
material handling equipment for two Type 3 pods, which service 5,000 people per day uh, at the Hard Rock Park. And um, in addition to that, um, several days after we were there, uh, the state of South Carolina requested that we um, represent them at the state staging area in Florence, in which uh, Mark and Carly were then deployed to Florence and actually got accommodations there because it was 90 minutes away from where we were. Hmm. And so the rule of thumb is you always travel in twos when you can for safety reasons. And in addition to that, um, there was one day that we sent uh, Megan and Carly out, and I'll let her elaborate on that, on what she's seen. It's, it's the worst case scenario of what goes wrong when check-in and check-out is not being uh, completed correctly. You end up with lines and lines of tractor trailers full of commodities. And I'll let her elaborate on that as she received some just-in-time training and literally assisted FEMA, both of them, to expeditiously check in hundreds of trucks and trailers um, with commodities. Megan Pappas? Well. <laughs> um, we were given the task to go down just to take a tour of the state state or the federal staging area, which was about 45 minutes away from where we were at the Seahawk. Um, and when we got there, the trucks were lined up down the road on a two-way road, double yellow lines. And I told Carly, we cannot cross over the yellow lines. We don't have a four-wheel drive car. Uh, so we text Anthony, which was there the day before, and said, hey, do we just wait to get in? And he said, yeah. So luckily we had somebody behind us that had a four-wheel drive and said, hey, maybe you, got, you can go over into the mud over on the side of the road and drive up and see if we can get in. He did and um, told us, directed us through the around the truck so we were able to get in when we got there the gentleman that we are checking in with his name is bond uh, he works for fema he said you know i'm sorry we're extremely backed up as you can see there was i mean at least 20 trucks lined up outside with another probably 100 trucks inside um maybe roughly about that and it wasn't about the check-in check-out process they didn't just didn't have enough manpower to get everybody checked in quickly. You're also dealing with high-speed winds, rain, um, writing in uh, on a piece of paper who it is, where they're coming from, what they have, how much what they have, and tagging their trucks as they're coming in. So when we got there, we said, do you guys need help? And he said, can you guys stay? We checked back um, with Ron and he said, yes, please help them. So we actually um, stayed there for about three hours and helped them um, check in all of the commodities that were coming in, which consisted of MREs and water. Um, so Carly and I both did that as a team and, and checked in. How long did they have to wait to get through before or maybe after you got there? Well, when Carly and I got there, we actually uh, could tell that the team was needing some help. And one thing, we got there about 1130 and saw that they hadn't eaten anything. So we said, can we go out and get you guys something to eat? So we, they actually sent us out. We went and got them something to eat because they weren't going to be able to leave um, all of those trucks in line. And when we got back, we said, okay, give us some rain gear. We'll get out there because it was raining and I don't like to get my hair wet. So I asked for some rain gear. <laughs> Oh, come and, on. You know, they make these shower cap things that are really <laughs> hot. You know, they, they're very fashionable. Well, you, you have to think, like you were saying, golf drop raindrops, oh, which yeah. they weren't like that. But it was humid and putting on rain gear with your 
tactical pants and your boots, it gets really hot. But luckily, um, it w- had a nice nice breeze, hmm. very strong breeze. But um, everything went really, well, really, really well. Um, but we saw trucks that were still there when we got back. And it took us about 30 minutes or so to get back. So, um, But they didn't have enough people and there was multiple trucks coming in all at the same time so when you check them are you doing something with their uh, um their inventory list or uh, what do they call it the bill of ladings yes yeah so you had to look and see what was in there yes and then okay we had to write everything that was in their truck take their bill of ladings sign it uh and then tag their truck with the truck with their number. So um, at this point, we were already at like 300 trucks, um, right what the commodity is, and then document all of their license plate, their phone number, where they were coming from, who they're with, um, and then give them a receipt. I think a lot of people, especially civilians, they don't understand. I don't even understand really the, the level of attention to detail coordination just the whole package that it takes to to do what needs to be done during a a disaster response it's incredible it definitely helped open our eyes as far as we work here in the state operations center so understanding what the logistics team does when they set up a staging area and what they're going through and how they're checking in equipment and and just everything like that it gives us a real perspective on on what to expect and and the reports that they're sending us and the amount of time that it takes to. It also shows the importance of experience. If you have someone who's a newbie along with someone who does have the experience, then those skills and that wisdom is transferred down. And if you don't have that, uh, man, I mean, what happens when the next big one hits and you don't have that experience out there in the field? Let me ask this. Have you guys had a chance to to do a hot wash yet? Not yet. Today's our first day back. That's right. Yeah, and I appreciate you guys being in here um, (laughs) on such short notice. Uh, But we definitely wanted to get you guys in here while everything was still fresh uh, in your memory banks. Um, But when you do your hot wash, what are you going to recommend, Megan, uh, as far as how things maybe could be done more efficiently or better the next time? Uh, be sure you get the hands-on experience. Just um, if you're able to get out somewhere, get out and work there. Take the courses online. Get yourself uh, acquainted to what it is that would be needed as far as um, in a disaster at that capacity. Yeah. Now, Mark, you have done this, uh, like you said, 39 deployments. What would you say would be the wisdom that you would convey to a newbie based on your experience in a situation like this? Leave the desk behind, come out here in the field. Then you can have this experience. And then when you get back to the SOC, you can understand your support role. The people in the field need something, whether it's in a staging area or ops, it doesn't matter. If you're in the field, we need the support from the SOC. That's why the SOC is here, to support incident management. Management's done in the field, support's done in here. Um, I would love to have everybody um, get on a bus take you to a staging area, give you a little run through, then like take them all out to the incident, take them to a fire, get out of the bus. When you can feel, see, smell, and taste the things that people are going through, it gives you a whole new perspective. I'm not saying everybody doesn't have the right frame of mind, but things are different in the field than they are in the nice, cool, 
dry. Well, oh. and, you know, you can be schooled in the classroom, but it's not until you get that street smarts that it really starts to make sense. Yeah, I went to a lot of training um, when I was with FEMA, a lot, a lot of training. And it's just like anything else. You go to school to learn how to do something, and then when you get in the field, you got some old codger that tells you how it gets done. <laughs> um, that's why I got the nickname here. Uh, but yes, you learn by the book, go in the field, and then you can apply it. Then you get smart. Yeah. Okay, so now things, I'm assuming, are moving smoothly at this point, right? Now that you've come in, you've gotten all those trucks checked in, you've got your equipment, your supplies, your commodities, they're hopefully getting to the people who need them, correct? That was your goal. That was our goal. And um, we did ship a lot of life-sustaining commodities to multiple um, locations, county buildings, shelters in South Carolina, all of which we tracked. And then um, Zim here, Anthony Z, put it on a spreadsheet uh, or actually a PowerPoint that their leadership could look at and see exactly what was delivered to where. And it's also important for accounting purposes, reimbursement purposes, and things of that nature. Okay. All right. And that's a wrap for part one. Keep an eye on your feed for part two. When this incident support team talks about their specific roles, how they achieve their objectives, why they exercise during a real emergency, their takeaways from this deployment, and how one of their members could have been arrested if a practical joke had gone any further south. I want to express my sincere thanks to Megan Pappas, Mike Warren, Ron Williams, Anthony Zimmer, Mark Ackerman, Andy Langoff, and Carly Landry. It was their first day back and they agreed to chat with me on very short notice. And that, my friends, is why they're the pros they are. They're adaptive, understanding, and willing to put themselves in very uncomfortable situations. Also check out this podcast on our Cal OES page at oesnews.com. That is oesnews.com. We have posted several photos from their deployment, and you'll get to see who the potettes are and their stage for their deployment. Hey, be sure to subscribe to All Hazards at the iTunes and Google Play stores or anywhere fine podcasts are served. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them to me at questions at caloes.ca.gov. One more time, questions at caloes.ca.gov. For everyone here at Cal OES, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.